0: Well, let's open up in our Bibles, and we're going to turn this morning to Psalm 105. If you would, turn over with me to Psalm 105, verses 1 through 6 this morning. We will consider just a brief portion of God's Word. Psalm 105, verses 1 through 6. We've already sung the words in our opening psalm this morning, uh, but we will now give our special attention to them. And especially as we celebrate our sixth anniversary as a church, we hear God's call to remember, to remember his goodness, to remember his good works, to remember his good nature, and to remember his faithful promises. Psalm 105 verses one through six, let's give our attention now to the reading of God's infallible word. The psalmist says, O give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And may God now bless us as we consider his word this morning. It's funny to me how in the busyness of life, we can often forget things that are very, very important. I had an instance of this recently, just two weeks ago. In fact, not even two weeks ago, uh, Olivia and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Uh, And we knew it was coming. I had marked it on my phone's calendar. I had been preparing mentally for uh, planning to celebrate and what we could do to uh, go out and rejoice in our 10 years uh, as a uh, married couple. And yet the morning of our anniversary, both Olivia and I forgot. We completely forgot. There was breakfast to make. There's a two-year-old who gets cranky. There's stuff to do, and I left for work that morning. I went off to go work, and uh, it was about an hour later that I got a text from my father-in-law, from Olivia's dad, and it said, happy anniversary. And I think we must have both gotten the same text because in the next two minutes or so, we had both texted each other, oh yeah, happy anniversary. Forgot to tell you that this morning. In the midst of life's busyness and just the common everyday frustrations of life, it's very easy to forget things you never thought you'd forget. Maybe for you it's not that serious. Thankfully we both forgot, so I wasn't the only one in trouble that morning. But it's so easy to forget even the big important things of life, isn't it? Because things get busy, and we get distracted. I was very thankful for that text message from my father-in-law that morning not just because it helped me remember what I was supposed to say to my wife that day, uh, but it helped reorient my day. It was one of those days where there was lots of stuff to get done and lots of work to do, and you start doing it, and you get into that frustrated mode of just tackling tasks. And then I had this reminder. Don't forget what today really is. Don't forget the goodness of what you're supposed to remember today. It reoriented my whole day when I got that text message from my father. Because now all I was thinking about was how quickly can I work to get home, to go back and be with my wife on our anniversary and be with my daughter. It reoriented my thoughts and my feelings. I went from feeling frustrated at all the work that was on my plate that day to feeling relatively happy because I had something to celebrate when I got home. I had something to look forward to. I needed that little reminder from my father-in-law that morning to reorient myself, to get back to what was really important. I thank God that he often gives us those little reminders and he calls us back to remembering what is really important. We get very easily distracted in this life and God gives us these little messages. Don't forget what's really important. Don't forget what really matters. He does that in Psalm 105 this morning. He calls his people through the psalmist to remember him, to remember him. If you studied Psalm 104, 105, and 106, uh, you would see this is the end of what is called the fourth book of Psalms. The book of Psalms as a whole is broken down into five separate sections. And Psalm 104 through 106 form the end of the fourth section. And these three psalms are all anonymous. They're not named uh, the author. Sometimes the psalms will say, right, a psalm of David, a psalm of Asaph, maybe even like Psalm 90, a psalm of Moses. Well, these three psalms are anonymous. They're timeless. They're not attached to any particular situation or circumstance. And they all call Israel, they call God's people to remember certain things about God. Psalm 104 calls us to remember his creative work and his power in the creation of the natural world. Psalm 105 calls Israel to remember how he was faithful to his covenant promise and brought them out of the land of Egypt. And Psalm 106 calls them to remember his mercy. And it rehearses how even in the Exodus, Israel clearly did not deserve God's mercy, but he kept giving it to them anyway because of his love for them. Uh, interestingly, if you want to go read Psalm 106 this afternoon, I'd encourage it, but you'll, you'll get caught up in the pattern very quickly. You'll notice it's a very repetitive psalm. Uh, there's a pattern in that psalm of God is faithful and delivers his people, and they become unfaithful to him, and God punishes them for it, and they turn back to the Lord, and he's faithful to them again, and you'll get sort of caught up in it. But what the psalmist is, is indicating is, it's important for you to remember these things. It's important for you to remember God, to remember his works, to remember his word. Psalm 105 calls us to this. We are called to remember. Verse 5 said, remember his marvelous works, which he has done. Remember God's marvelous works. Well, what kind of marvelous works? Not just the work of creation, Psalm 104 talked about that, but remember his work of saving you, believer. Remember how he orchestrated all things to accomplish your salvation and to give you eternal life. Remember how he works, even in the evil things of life. Look down with me. If you have your Bible open, I encourage you to keep it open this morning. But look down, for example, at verse 16. The psalmist gives an example of how God has worked. It says, moreover, God, he called for a famine in the land. This is the famine that took place around the time of Joseph that led the 11 brothers of Joseph to go down to Egypt for bread. God destroyed all the provision of bread. But what did he do? He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. If you know the story of Joseph, you know that it is a story that clearly demonstrates how God can use evil to accomplish something good. The culminating statement of Joseph's whole story, when he's face to face with his brothers again, you meant it for evil. You were trying to do me wrong, but God meant it for good. Christian, you've got to remember, you've got to remember how the Lord works because otherwise when you come up against those evil moments of life, you'll get discouraged. You'll feel hopeless. Can you imagine if, if, if Joseph hadn't had those dreams that he had indicating to him what God's future was for him? How despairing he would have been in the dungeons of Pharaoh. How despairing he would have been being betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery and nearly killed by his own, uh, his own brothers but God was working it all together for good. God was orchestrating even the evil actions of men for good. You see that in our savior. Jesus was not hung on a cross by accident. It's important for us to remember this, that when Christ dies on the cross, it's according to the plan. Everything's happening right on schedule. The Lord is accomplishing his purposes and we've got to remember that. We've got to remember God's works. We've got to remember how he has acted, not just to create all things and sustain all things, but to save you from your sins. And friends, we've got to remember how God continues to bear with us. Psalm 106 is a great psalm to go to if you're feeling discouraged by continued sin in your life. If you're feeling discouraged by your continued battle with sin, go read Psalm 106 this afternoon and you'll see there's nothing new for the believer's life. It's nothing new for the believer, for the covenant member of God's family to struggle regularly with sin. And yet what you'll be even more encouraged by is to know God's faithfulness, to see how God was still faithful to his people, even when they did not deserve it. If you can remember God's faithfulness, it will make all the difference in the time of temptation. It will make all the difference when life has you down, when you've done something you didn't want to do, or when you've said something you wish you could take back. If you can remember how God is faithful, even when we are faithless, you can still have hope. God calls us to remember. He calls us to think. He calls us to look back. Remember his works. Remember his word. Remember what he's promised to do. Look again with me at uh, verse 6. I'm sorry, verse uh, verse 5, the end there of verse 5. Remember what? His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Remember what he has promised to do. Remember what's come forth out of God's lips. Verse 8, the psalmist says that the Lord remembers his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations. God remembers. It's interesting, God never calls you to do anything for him that he has not first done for you. God calls you to remember, Christian, because he remembers you. He remembers his covenant promise to you. He remembers what he has said he will do for you. And therefore, you are called to remember him. God protects. He guides his people. He shepherds them, not arbitrarily, but because he has promised to do it, and he will surely fulfill his word. If you can remember, Christian, how God has fulfilled his promises in the past, then you can have hope and trust that he will fulfill his promises in the future. And in the moment, even if life is hard, you can rejoice. If we can remember God's goodness and his good works and his good nature, if we can remember what he has promised he's going to do, then even in the moment of suffering and trial, we can still have joy because we know how God has worked in the past. We know how God has orchestrated all things in the past. I want you to notice that God calls us in this text to two distinct things, two distinct joyful responses to remembering his goodness. One is he calls us to rejoice in our prayers. Look again with me at verse one, that very first statement. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Do what? Call upon his name. Call upon him, Christian. Pray to him. Seek him. Seek his help. Seek his mercy. Don't despair, call upon God. I am amazed at how often I talk to Christians and even experience this myself where you get in the moment of trouble and you start hearing that little voice. I'm not not sure if it's the devil or if it's a demonic voice or if it's just the voice of our flesh tempting us, but that little voice that tells you, um, don't waste God's time with this. Right. You get in the moment of trouble and you have that little voice in your head that says, you know, God's got more important things to do than worry about this, than worry about you right now. Or maybe in the moment of temptation or maybe in the moment when you have sinned and you are seeking God's mercy, that little voice comes and it tells you not yet. Right. Go clean yourself up first. Don't call on God just yet. Go get right. Go start changing your ways and then maybe God will want to listen to you. That's not what God says. What does he say? Call upon his name. Call upon God. Christian, you are never bothering God. God is never too busy for you. And if you can remember him, then you can pray to him. If you can remember his goodness, then you can have joy in the midst of your prayers. Remembering who God is. You've got to remember what God has done and what he's promised to do for you. Psalm 50, verse 15. God tells his people, call upon me in the day of trouble. Not call upon me when you've got everything cleaned up. Not call upon me when you've got everything figured out and it's nice and clean and comfortable again. God says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. God is not glorified in your life, Christian, when you've cleaned yourself up and come to him. That doesn't glorify God. That glorifies you. But when you come to God in the day of trouble and you come with outstretched open hands saying, I have nothing to offer you, Lord, and I need you to solve this for me. Then when God delivers you, it gives him glory. He gets all the credit. We cannot really enjoy God. I don't think we can really enjoy God until we have realized our complete and utter dependence on him for everything. If you're still thinking of your relationship with God as sort of a transactional relationship where you sort of do your part and God will do his part, you won't have any joy in your Christian life. But if you can realize what David realized, for example, what Paul realized, that I am helpless in myself and I'm completely dependent on God for all good things, then I can have joy even in the midst of troubles. And if we remember how God has worked in the past, we can be confident in our prayers to Him in the present. If God has delivered in the past and if He has saved in the past, I can trust Him to do so in the present too. And He calls us to rejoice in our praise to Him as well. The psalmist calls us in verse 2, sing to Him, sing psalms to Him, talk of all His wondrous works, sing about the Lord, Christian. There is a reason that we do a lot of singing in this church. There's a reason that the Christian church for 2,000 years has been a singing faith. Other faiths in the world sometimes sing, sometimes they don't. You go to a mosque, you go to, uh, go to uh, the Friday worship, Muslim worship there at, at your local mosque, you'll realize they don't, they don't sing hymns. They don't have hymnals in, in the mosque. It's not a singing faith. The only uh, musical voice they might have is that voice summoning you to the call to prayer. But God wants us to sing. God wants us to praise Him. God wants us to remember Him and praise Him for His goodness. And in many ways, praise is the natural response to our experience of God's mercy. It's very interesting, if you go read the Exodus account, you read about that dramatic moment at the Red Sea, right? Israel has been near death, the Egyptians are barreling down on them, God parts the Red Sea, they pass through the Red Sea, and then the Egyptians try to do the same, And the waters come in on them and kill all of the Egyptian armies and drown them. What does Israel do the moment they're on the other side? They sing. In fact, Moses sits down and composes a song for them. And his sister Miriam leads the people in worshiping God, leads the women in praising God. They don't just try to get away right away. They have a concert over there. They have a praise service over there because that's what you do when you experience the deliverance of God. And Christian, can I simply point out to you, God is not concerned nearly as much with the quality of your singing as he is with the heart that is praising. Uh, I thank God for that. I can sing loud. I can hit the notes most of the time, but I'm not a great singer by any stretch. Thank God he's not looking for great singers. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for people to praise Him and to thank Him for what He's done. It's one of the privileges you and I have as Christ's New Covenant priesthood. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 says, we have the privilege of offering God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. If we remember who God is and we remember what He's done, then even in the midst of difficulties, we can praise Him. Haven't you ever wondered why Paul and Silas sing hymns at midnight while they're locked in a jail cell. It's because they remember who God is. And they know that God is still with them and that God will deliver them. If we remember, then we can rejoice. And in the future, we can rightly respond. Let me uh, just close quickly with these two final points. If we can remember who God is, then we can rightly respond to his works. First of all, by testifying about him. It's interesting that this psalm in many places... Verse 1, you see there, make known his deeds among the peoples. Verse 2, talk of all his wondrous works. The psalm calls us to tell other people about who God is. If we remember who God is and we remember what he has done, then naturally we will want to tell others about it. We don't normally have to have our arms twisted to tell people about something good we've experienced, right? You go to a restaurant and you have a great experience and it's delicious food, you want to tell other people about it, right? You go see a new movie or you watch a new show on uh, you know, one of these streaming services, you start telling people about it, right? I'm, I'm getting blasted on social media these days with Ahsoka, the new Star Wars show that's coming out. Probably gonna watch it. Mandalorian was pretty good. Right. Those new Star Wars shows are turning out pretty good. I'm probably going to watch it. Why? Because someone told me about it. Someone watching that said, this is a good show and you should watch it, Keith. Well, that's what we do with God. Don't, don't overthink it too much. Uh, you don't have to have uh, you know a 12-point gospel outline to be able to tell someone about who God is and what he's done for you. Uh, you don't have to have a seminary degree to be able to testify about what you've experienced in the Lord. And God calls us to make him known among the nations. Our testimony, it's never about ourselves. It's never about us. I'm I'm thankful that in all those testimonies we heard this morning, not one of them was pointing the finger back itself. We were pointing the fingers to God and saying the Lord did this and thanking the Lord for his work. We're called to be like John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't talk much about himself, but he did talk a lot about Christ. And his main message when Christ showed up, was to point to Jesus and say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He didn't need a seminary degree to do that. He didn't need a 12-point outline to do that. He just had to know who Jesus was. And because he knew who Jesus was, he knew how to testify about him. Friends, when we are transformed by God, when we remember who God is and we remember what he's done and we remember what he has promised to do, the Christian soul can't help but talk about it can't help but share and it can't help but live differently as you and I remember God's faithfulness he transforms us by his spirit from the inside out to be faithful to walk in his ways to live in remembrance of his mercies as we have remembered God's mercies and his works this morning may he continue to transform us into the image of Christ that we might have many more reasons in the future to praise him to glorify him and to thank his name let's pray our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful word. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing it is to know Christ, to know Jesus as our Savior. Lord, thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your covenant mercies that are new every morning. And Lord, thank you for how you have recorded all of your wonderful works for us in this inspired and book. Oh Lord, as we look back at the history of your church, the last 2,000 years of how you have worked in the world, as we can look back in this book of how you have worked throughout all world history, Lord, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are the unchanging, faithful God, and that you will surely accomplish all of your promises, all of your word. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us and help us to remember, Lord, when times are hard, when we're in the midst of trials, when we're facing temptations, help us to remember the Lord. All these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen.